You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. To the JCN Clinic. I'm Jessica, and today with me is the lovely Paige. Hey, everyone. So we have um, a Carissa-free podcast again. We're <laughs> second week in a row, actually, or second episode in a row. Not on purpose. It's just the way things have been working out. We're chopping and changing, and really um, allowing you guys to get to know everyone at JCN, which is really important. So today what we're chatting about is um, a really interesting topic and it's going to be something that Paige will be sharing a lot of her own personal um, experience with and growth around and also something that's made her the amazing practitioner that she is. I mean, there's lots of factors that are involved in making you awesome, but this is um, something that I think like we we're talking about just before when we go through things ourselves, there's something that we can bring to the table as a practitioner. So we'll be talking about, it's kind of a long spiel heading I popped together, but <laughs> um, I've called it moving from disordered eating to a healthy relationship with food. So we are talking about disordered eating or eating disorders, whichever way you want to look at that in a nutshell of um, how you maybe title that. But I kind of like disordered eating. I think it sort of is a really good umbrella for a lot of different um, uh, maybe adverse or maybe negative relationships with food. But also I want to say, I guess we're talking about that, but how we can really move forward from that and create a healthy relationship and that it is possible. Yeah. So... <laughs> Um, Paige, if you want to start, I know there'll be people listening who have heard you on the podcast before, but there might be some that have missed when you've been on the podcast. So if you want to just start by saying, um, a little bit about yourself, just as far as, um, yeah, a little bit about just currently where you're at and your background and context of, um, the environment right now, before we dive into the past. Yeah. Um, thanks Jess for all of that. Um, so yeah, my name's Paige, for anyone who doesn't know or hasn't heard my voice on here before. Um, I'm a naturopath and a nutritionist at the JCN Clinic. Um, I live on the Sunshine Coast, which I feel very lucky to do so. Um, and yeah, I've been working at the clinic now for, oh, actually, I don't know how long it's been. I maybe want to say six months, five to six months. Maybe yeah. has it been that long, Jess? Maybe a little while. <laughs> I'm so – people would have heard me say this before. I'm really bad with time. So if we think it's probably five, six months, it's probably close to a year. <laughs> like it's always yeah. double it what feels like, It feels like forever. Yeah. Um, and that's just because all the girls there are so amazing and, you know, honestly feel like family. So, yeah, it feels like forever. So I feel very lucky in that regard too to have found um, – yeah, found a place where I really feel – confident and comfortable and just yeah love what I do because I think in this industry it's that's not always easy to find so yeah mm. warm fuzzy <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not just saying that because you're here. <laughs> like 
it's the honest truth. And if you ask anyone that, um, you know, my family and friends, they'll they'll definitely attest to that as well. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have like a little run sheet written down where it says, "Paige, just tell everyone how awesome JCN Clinic is." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> holding it. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely <laughs> true. <laughs> So let's get started on the topic today as such. So what we, um, well, what I would love you to do um, is share a bit about your past history in this, this sort of realm of disordered eating um, and how that actually eventuated for you. And um, I guess sort of wrapped into that is almost like another question, but how you felt um, the outside pressures as far as social media or, or societal pressures played into that too? Yeah. Um, wow. I think it's kind of like one of those things, where do I begin? But um, as I sort of was saying to you before, I think if I, I really think about it, it was probably about 10 or 11 years ago when I was in high school. Um, so I was always, just to kind of put it in context and, not to go off track too much, but I was always um, quite into sports. Like my both my sister and I were quite into, you know, um, all different kind of sports and activities and very outdoorsy. And we always had quite um, a healthy relationship with food and we, you know, we were always healthy as a family, like in terms of what we ate and things like that. So, yeah, and then I think I just, to be honest, I think I got to a point in, you know, your teenage years, year 11 and 12 and, for me, it was sort of like I didn't I didn't really know what I wanted to do. You know, I think at, at that age, you're kind of like there's all this pressure in school to, well, what are you going to do and what are you going to study at university and what do you want to do with your life? And I honestly just had no idea. I had nothing that I was like, oh, I, I could see myself doing that or, you know, I'm really passionate about this. Like I was always really passionate about health and fitness, so I think – for me, that was what I kind of gravitated to and I guess to put it in, in really basic and short terms, I kind of took with that took that and, and ran with it and it became a really um, negative thing, I guess, in a sense. Like I, I used that as my way to control things and, you know, I in terms of an eating disorder, I, I – uh, yeah, I, I controlled what I was eating. I was exer- over-exercising, like I was exercising a lot. And um, and it was now that I think about it, it was really because I had very little self-worth, very little self-confidence, um, and I just wanted something in my life that I could control. And for me, that was it was food and exercise. Yeah. So that's kind of how it started for me. And I think, you know, I was lucky in the sense that social media wasn't really big back then or I wasn't really, um, yeah, it wasn't really a part of my life back then. So I think I was very lucky in that sense because I look at, you know, how social media is these days and I think, oh, my God, I don't know how I would have gotten through it if if, mm. if I had, a, you know, if social media was a part of it back then. Like obviously you do because you just do, but it's so different now to what it was back when I was going through it. So, but definitely pressure from society, pressure from like school. Um, there was never pressure from my parents. Like that was never a thing for me. It was always pressure that I put on myself to be, to be this thing of perfection that that doesn't exist for any of us. But I just thought that I needed to find and I needed to, you know, be a certain way so that I could feel loved or you know, um, be accepted and all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was. 
I know that that's that's a lot of a lot of different things and you know things that I've touched on, but it, it was really kind of all encompassing all of those things. I guess it wasn't just one or two things. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Wow. And it's, I think that's the thing too, isn't it? It doesn't always come from just one particular space. Like it's very common that there'll be a complexity of different reasons that can cause people to um, move into that negative relationship as such with food and um it's interesting hearing because you know even us talking about this today it's, it's I haven't spoken in depth with you about this and um it's interesting you saying that social media at that point wasn't a big factor which is true when I when you're talking about the time frame of this um and it sounds like from what you're saying um that the societal pressures that was part of the picture but more so it was the the pressure that you're putting on yourself and it was your um, expectations on yourself. And I guess at the core of that, um, which you did say comes down to your own self-worth and your own self-belief and, and, and self, self-love as much as that term gets thrown around. But it sounds like that really was more of a player than outside pressures. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like you absolutely hit the nail on the head. It definitely was, definitely was those things. Like I just didn't, I, I guess to, to, to put it simply, like I, I didn't love myself. I didn't, you know, like the way I looked. I didn't like the way I, um, I felt about myself. And I think I, I wanted to change it for, for whatever reason, for all of those reasons we mentioned, I guess, but just to feel like, I was accepted or could be loved. You know, I, I think during that time, those year 11 and 12 is, is you're growing and you're changing as a woman and you, you know, you, there are so many things going on. And I think, um, through high school, like I, I, I struggled a little bit with, with friends and I was always kind of the, the girl who was friends with everyone, but I didn't really have like you know a certain kind of core group of friends I was just kind of that person who kind of floated around a lot and um, was sometimes a bit of a loner as well and I think um, yeah I think I I put so much pressure on myself in that regard because I thought oh well I don't I don't belong anywhere I don't fit anywhere I don't you know I'm not accepted and all of these crazy stories that we tell ourselves which are definitely not true but it's um yeah it's interesting how that for me was a really big I guess, catalyst for me going into that space of developing an eating disorder and developing a way that I could control something in my life where I felt like everything else in my life was a little bit out of control or a little bit out of my, um, out of my control or out of depth for me, I guess. Mm. Yeah. And it was, you know, I, and as I said to you, Jess, before I, I have not spoken about this to a lot of like to, to anyone really. I could count probably on on one hand, you know, f- maybe five or, or so people that I've <clears throat> shared this experience mm-hmm. with because I think it's, you know, I'm quite ashamed. I'm quite ashamed of what you know what I did and what I went through, and um, which is it's again, it's, I think everyone has a different emotion that they attach to an experience, but. Yeah, it definitely was is something that I'm, you know, I've made, I've probably made peace with. Well, I say probably, but I've definitely made peace with it now. There's obviously still some days, and I think if you talk to anyone who's been through any any sort of eating disorder or disordered eating, 
there are still pieces of that that stay with you and um, not necessarily come back to haunt you, but it's always kind of in the back of your mind. So I think, yeah, I, I guess in terms of speaking on it now, it's, yeah, it's something that I'm, um, yeah, I guess ashamed of in a way, but also, yeah, I was in denial for a really long time that that's mm. actually what I was going through and, and what I went through and um, didn't want to talk to anyone at the time. You know, I just denied it. I I thought, oh, no, you're crazy. Like, I'm fine. Nothing's mm. going wrong and um, I'm okay. I'm okay. Nothing's wrong. And, yeah, and I'm I'm – I'm in control of it. I know what I'm doing sort of thing. And, um, yeah, so that's really interesting as well because you're the further, the, the furthest thing you are is in control. Like it's mm-hmm. definitely, you're not in control of anything because you're kind of letting this, it's almost like this other person takes over your body and, you know, you, you sort of, you rationally can't, um, make decisions about things. You sort of, it's like, your body is telling you to do one thing, but that your mind is telling you to do another thing. So it's sort of like this, this internal battle all the time of, of what you're doing. So, um, and it, it's quite crippling at, at, you know, at state at stages throughout the, the experience as well. So, um, yeah, but I think, I think for me and, and why I wanted to share this now is because as I said, like it's something that I was quite ashamed, ashamed of for so long and, I almost kind of severed that part of my life or severed that part of myself from who I am now. But I think it's so important to acknowledge that, mm. yeah, I went through that and that's okay. And and as you said, these things that we go through make us the people that we are mm. today and they they make it, they help us grow and they help us evolve and they, you know, me sharing my story today is in the hope that I can help even just one person um, or just I think – let people know that it's okay to talk about it. Like I, that was one thing I never really did. And I think it would have made such a difference to my healing and to my um, recovery if I had spoken about it. So I think it's really important just to, to know that it's okay to talk about it and to know that um, you don't have to be ashamed because it's, yeah, a lot of people go through it and it's just, yeah, it's sometimes just one of those things that we can't really, we can't help it's it's a it is a mental yeah a mental kind of a disorder I guess for want of a better word yeah, um sure. for most people so yeah wow <laughs> it's, <laughs> it interests me too and I think it's such an important it's an important sort of word or um emotion that you put with it is the the feeling of shame because I think that's what maybe can lock you away from reaching out for help and also um, I would also say that it, it it allows you to stay sometimes maybe in a space of denial as well um, yeah. but I think yeah it's it, it it interests me that you you mentioned the word shame a lot there and I and it, and almost looking back on it still feeling that which I think is is kind of like fascinating because I'm kind of like no (laughs) I I I always think as you said when we have these experiences they do make us who we are and I think it's really important I guess I say this to you or to anyone listening in this space that like to be able to step outside if you can outside yourself and look back 
at that person um, like it was another person that you're looking at, your younger you, and the last thing you would want to say to that, um, you know, early 20-year-old is like, you should be ashamed of yourself. Like it's actually a really negative way to speak to ourselves. And I think yeah. it's it's just that, you know, it's that shame that kind of locks you into that space. Um, and I, I, you know, as someone that hasn't been through it, I know that's easy for me to say, but I think a one way of, of getting hopefully out of that space or starting to reach out is, as you mentioned, to like ideally start to speak to people and um, not kind of lock yourself away in that, in that bubble of like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I don't need help, um, which is obviously very, very hard to reach outside of that. But, yeah, I just think something like shame is such a – it's just – it can be very crippling, I guess, yeah, is, and that's definitely. why I pick up on that. Yeah, and that's such a good word to use, crippling. Like you, you, you know, there was days where I literally, literally felt like almost paralyzed by this, you know, voice inside my head. And um, and yeah, and I think you know, like you said, you know, I don't want anyone else to to feel ashamed if they've been through or are going through anything like this. And that's why I want to why I want to talk about it now. And 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 as I said to you, like some of some of the people who listen to this might think, oh, I, I never knew that about you, Paige, or I never, you know, you've never spoken about that. And then I, that's why I think now I'm really, I want to be open about it and I want to share it because I think it's it's so important to move move past those emotions and to not to have that kind of shame and, um, yeah, those feelings about about ourselves that, uh, yeah, it, it's just, it's it's not, it's so not true and I think that's why I just want to be, be really open and honest about it now because I I look back and I just think yeah wow like I've, I've grown throat got grown throat got, oh my gosh I can't speak now um, <laughs> grown so much through that process yeah. and now I can look back and, and and think yeah like as much as I kind of was ashamed of what I did and and what happened but in that moment I didn't I didn't really know any better I didn't no. you know you're so kind of like you said you know. It's, it's crippling or you're so paralyzed by this kind of almost like alter ego or other person out, outside of you um, or within you, I guess, more correctly. But, um, but yeah, and that's okay. Like I think you go, you go um, through so many stages of it as well and, and that's how, I guess, you, you heal and you recover from it. So mm. there's so many emotions that, that come along with it. But, um, yeah. So speaking of that, how did you start to move out of that space as far as the the eating disorder? Well, like was there was there like a major catalyst or was it like a, a sort of slow stepping out? Like was there yeah, were, were there factors that started to pull you away and, and out of that more um I guess for like again of a better word, just destructive space? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think, let me preface this by saying I don't recommend that anyone does it the way I did it because it's very, very hard. Um, I did it, I did it, I guess a lot of it was on my own and, and you know, with, with my family. Um, you know, as I said, I was going through high school at the time and it sort of had been brought to my attention, you know, I'd had like I remember the school counsellor talking to me about it at one point and 
I think all of my friends, which again, I, I'm sort of so sorry that I put them through this, but um, oh, I'm going to get emotional. Um, I think it was I think it was really hard for people to sort of bring it up with mm, with nice. me. Like no one really wanted to say anything, and I think that's. Now, now looking back on it, like I, I, I realized how hard that was for my friends and for my family. So mm-hmm. I definitely had had a few people say things to me, and I again I brushed it off and thought, no, no, I'm fine. And I do remember um, eventually my parents took me to see um, a beautiful dietitian in Brisbane, um, and and nothing against nothing against her or what that whole process was, but it didn't really help me because I remember that she used to weigh me um, and that was a massive trigger for me. So I think anyone else who's been through a similar experience, like you sort of, it's almost like you sort of get to a number on the scales and you almost become proud of yourself and it's like a competition with yourself to kind of either keep that number or, or, or get lower than that number. It's, it's never, it's like this, almost you have this fear of that number going up or a fear of putting on weight. And I think for me that was, yeah, probably not the best mm. way of treatment in, in terms of how I how my experience was. But, again, none of us knew any better at the time and I think um, probably a psychologist would have been the best person mm. for me to see at that time because it was a very much a mental thing for me. But, mm. but you know, full credit to my parents, they – they didn't know what to do. Like mm. no one had ever kind of been through this in my family and, and, and no one really knew what to do or, or kind of how to approach it with me because I was so – I was just so against it. I was so mm. against any intervention. I just was so in denial of that was anything was wrong. And um, and I guess eventually, you know, the catalyst for me was um, I really saw <clears> – <throat> I really saw how – how damaging my, my my behavior was to my family mm. um, and my sister in particular. Um, she's she's younger than me, so um, I think yeah, I, I just started to realize oh, I'm I'm really hurting the people that love me, mm. and, and why? Like I'm I, I couldn't I couldn't give a good enough reason anymore for why I was doing it. I think mm. in the beginning I I definitely could, and I justified it for so long, but. Um, and I, even now, like, I think back in it and the years that I kind of went through all of this are, are so blurred. Like I, I couldn't tell you how long it was in, in terms of years because it was, you know, maybe five years mm. altogether. All I think you definitely go through phases where things are uh, – times are worse than others. But um, And, yeah, the catalyst really was for me that – my family and I saw what it was doing to them and, and how kind of my behavior was, was hurting them. And, mm. and also true, like health and fitness was such a massive passion for me. And I knew eventually that I, well, I didn't know kind of in the beginning, but I thought maybe I can, I can do something with this for my career. And I got to a point in my life where I was like, I knew I wanted to help people. Mm. And I thought to myself, okay, I have to be well to help other people. Like I can't mm. sit here and be unwell myself if I want to try and help other people. Um, and so I knew that was a that was a really big catalyst for me. And and you know, I think something that's always stuck in my mind is that being underweight is just as unhealthy as being overweight. And I was obviously severely underweight, and I just thought, you know, I can't. 
if I want to help people and if I want to help people in the health and fitness space or with nutrition, then I have to be well myself. So those are probably the two biggest ones for me um, about kind of pulling myself out of it. And, and as I said, like I, I, I did so kind of on my own with obviously, you know, my, my parents and my sister a little bit, but I think it was more, I just was like, no, this, you've got to stop Paige. Like this is, mm. this is, yeah, this is not who you are and this is kind of not the behaviour that, yeah, you want to you want to be doing or you want to be kind of, um, how, how do I guess I say it, like being an example for other people. For sure. um, yeah. So it sounds like the support network as far as your immediate family was pivotal in that like you made, there was a decision you made within your own headspace for sure but also the fact that like you you could see you were hurting the people who were so close to you and that you love so dearly um yeah. that was it's kind of like twofold that that was a catalyst itself but then it sounds like they were their support was super important rolled into that um and yeah. i guess the reason i sort of you know that i think that's so important but also want to highlight it is that i know just even from years of clinic and some of my clients um, that come to mind that for some people, their fam- like that immediate family network may not be an option. It may be rolled into the reason as to the underlying emotional and mental um, behavior yeah. that, that, that triggers the, the disordered eating. But I think that outside of our blood family, like, I think we all have some sense inverted, you know, sort of doing air quotes here. I, some concept of family, friends in our lives, people that we love or people who love us. And I think, I think that's just important to highlight because there's, there's always people in our lives and we can, as you've just talked about, like we can reach out to those people. But at the same time, I think, as you said, um, a big part of this is realizing how much your, um, I guess, actions are hurting those people. So, yeah, yeah it, it it just that sounds like it was just a really big part of kind of that connection with those people close to you because it's a very um, it's a very self um, what's the word like it, it's I guess the word is. Uh, don't take this the wrong way <laughs> but it's yeah. like it, the behavior is quite selfish right like when you're yeah. in that in that disordered eating pattern um it, it's it, it's you're so self-consumed with everything going on with you with what you're eating and and it becomes it becomes all about what's going on in your world and it's really hard to see outside that um yeah. and that like that's why I use the word selfish in that respect because sometimes I think selfish can be a a positive (laughs) a positive action too but I think when you can kind of step outside that and see hang on my actions are affecting people that I love like that's that's quite a powerful catalyst does that make sense yeah and I think you're right like I think it is you know so many so many behaviors that you you kind of go through within the eating disorder or disordered eating, they are selfish, whether or not you're doing it for selfish reasons. But you, I think once you start to recognize that, and I'm, you know, I, I, I feel lucky that I, 
I did when I did, I guess, because goodness knows what could have happened if I didn't mm. and pull myself out of that. But yeah, I, I've, I've always been really close with my family and, you know, there's only my sister and my parents and, you know, we, we've always, always been really close and, I think too during that time I lost my granddad and you know that was he was the first person that I'd ever lost that was really close to me so that that kind of um my I guess I deteriorated a lot after Mm. he passed away um and then I remember like I can I can so clearly remember this conversation in my head and it was with my auntie and my my grandma was there and it was after my granddad had passed away obviously and my auntie just said to me like Paige, you can't afford to lose any more weight. Mm. And I think it was it was that conversation and then just, you know, seeing what it was doing to my family again, as I said, and 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 as well, I guess, kind of intertwined in that, it was that I wasn't getting help from the dietitian that I, you know, mm. that that wasn't a positive experience for me. Not that sorry, not that it wasn't a positive experience, but it wasn't kind of the reinforcement that I needed or the support that I needed at that time. Yeah. Um, and I think ultimately, you know, the fear, the fear of putting on weight or the fear of seeing those numbers go up, you get to a point where possibly the fear of not being here mm. or like, um, yeah, not being here, it outweighs the fear of, gaining weight if that kind of um makes sense like the fear of possibly not having my life um, outweighed that fear of gaining weight for me in the end yeah and I know some people struggle with that like that's that's very like it's it's courageous of you to even say that but it's a very very true fact and I think a lot of a lot of people who experience eating disorders that is a big crux um of where they can come to and I think sometimes it can actually be a very scary place because sometimes people can maybe feel a bit ambiguous about that space which side they want to fall um but I think the other thing you know with that that's such a it's such a huge fact on its own but something you've highlighted through all of this is how much of a, a mental um battle really this is or um a mental a disease essentially and I think having outside help which I sort of wanted to ask you about as you sort of progressed along like I think there's the right people at the right time but um you know someone who's in a a space of a serious eating disorder taking them off to or going and seeing a dietitian like really like it's it's not the right person like you need as you said like the best person really would have been a psychologist and I I know that and I'm sure you have experienced that in clinic yourself now where people come along with um, eating disorders and thinking that maybe seeing a nutritionist is the answer Um, and yeah we've got we've got a role to play to a point but we're, we're not psychologists like you you can tell someone could have told you then like this is what you need to eat and you probably knew a part of you was like I know what I should be eating but that yeah. doesn't matter it's about the the self-talk in your own head and it's having someone be able to help you understand that break it down work on your relationship with yourself work on tools to like unpack that relationship like 
it's the it's that mental relationship a mental emotional relationship with yourself that needs to be I think like the the area of the the most work and um, the most unpacking yeah definitely because what when you're in that space like you have firstly you have such a distorted view of your body and and body mm. image um, like it's it's so messed up you know I can't even <laughs> It's, it's, I laugh about it now because I just think how crazy I was to think that my body was, you know, I, I felt that I was big when I was obviously so skinny and I look back on pictures now and I think, oh, my gosh, you know, what was I thinking? But at the time, your everything around food and your weight and how you look is so distorted and I think, yeah, like I'm definitely not an expert and I'm not claiming that I'm an expert and I would never – I'm very, very um, – I guess, cautious and mindful of how I word things when I talk to clients about this. And I always say, you know, this is my experience and I'm more than happy to share it with you, but you need to seek help from a professional that, you know, I am not that professional in this space. Like, yes, I'm a nutritionist and a naturopath, but I'm not a psychologist. And I think, you know, I, I've seen a psychologist since I went, you know, in, in more recent years than, than when I was going through my eating disorder. And that's been so so pivotal for me for, for so many things, not just for, for kind of healing my relationship with, with that, but so many things. And I think, yeah, I, I know, I know how hard it is to ask for help. Trust me. Like, and I, I didn't ask for help and it's probably one of the biggest, I won't say regrets because I don't believe in regrets, but lessons I learned, mm -hmm. I think is yeah. if, if you if you have help around you and you have support around you, then then take it and 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 reach out and and you know really seek help. And and as women, I think we don't do that anyway. Mm, so <laughs> Let alone when you're going through something like an eating disorder. But it can really save your life if you do ask for help. And and I think you know when I was in it, I I thought that the people around me who were the people who did speak up. You almost resent them, but now I look back and I think I'm so thankful for those people mm. who, and some of them I don't even speak to anymore, which is, you know, father reasons, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful that they did sort of maybe, it's almost like they stood up to me because you sort mm. of become, yeah, you, you almost become kind of aggressive towards the top, the topic if someone brings it up. So, um, so yeah, I think just, just asking for help and, and you know, saying actually no, I'm not okay, and, and yes, I do need help is 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 probably the hardest thing you'll ever do, but it can honestly save your life and is so yeah. so courageous. And um, yeah, I just would would urge anyone to do that if they're feeling like yeah, they need support. And like I said, like I, I'm always more than happy to talk to my clients about it, but it's not something that I'm an expert in. And I think when you do get to the point that I was probably at that yeah you do a psychologist is sort of going to be the most um helpful person in that space to help you through it so yeah yeah which I think yeah that's what I was going to ask you how important you found seeking help outside your direct circle um so I imagine a psychologist was really powerful there um yeah yeah, yeah. And that's only been, as I said, recently because, um, you know, 
I, I did a lot of work on myself. Obviously, it's been, like I said, 10 or 11 years and, and maybe I suffered for about five years with, with the, uh, an eating disorder on and off. And actually, I just want to quickly say I was actually never diagnosed with an eating disorder because I obviously never went to went to a doctor or went I went mm. to a dietitian yes but I never kind of went to a psychologist or a doctor I remember my doctor my my mum did take me to my doctor once and he weighed me and he he didn't really think there was anything to worry about which looking back now blows my mind but anyway mm. so I was never actually diagnosed with an eating disorder but from the research I've done and from kind of the reading I've done and um obviously you know seeing the psychologist that I have re- more recently um I think I had anorexia nervosa, which is obviously mm. that, you know, disorder, distorted um, body image and distorted eating patterns and things like that. So um, obviously, yeah, we can sort of go into more detail about that. But I think that's probably a really big a big thing for people to realise is that a lot of people go undiagnosed or mm. go, they kind mm. of slip through the cracks yeah. Um, yeah. and yeah, which is unfortunate, but I think this is why I want to talk about it because the more awareness we have about it, then the more, you know, people can feel like they can reach out and ask for help. Mm. No, that's that's really important. And I think that's why I often sort of flip around between the terminology because I think there are some people out there who are diagnosed, be yeah. that anorexia or bulimia, but the thing is, as you said, there is a lot of grey zones in between people that aren't diagnosed and particularly I think in today's sort of culture where even we have something like um, orthorexia and these um, control patterns around eating, it can get really complicated um, and also, yeah, I'll use that, that sort of term of gray zoned again where people can be like no no I'm just eating really well and I can't eat all of these foods because they make me unwell and this upsets my gut and there's a very 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 controlling negative relationship that starts to happen with food there um yeah I just think that I don't even know sometimes if (laughs) I think some of this stuff moves so quickly that it's it's hard for it to be maybe documented and put into the the right um, research papers or into the right books for the professionals um, in that space to, to reach for. So it kind of can make it a little bit harder. Um, and I also think, you know, I, I'm sort of interested where it sort of fell for you too um, is in our space as far as working in nutrition and health, it can – also be a bit of a magnet for people who do have um, negative relationships with food because I think I think there's the positive of course that like it can be that you want to take care of yourself and you want to eat well and you want to as you were saying like it was a big part of you that was a positive driver for this it was like well how can I help others if I um I can't either one help myself, but also I need to sort of present a certain way. Like, you know, I I can't look unwell. Um, But I also know that some people and, um, you know, again, I I sort of see this a lot with clients and even through social media that there's a lot of women, particularly young women that are pulled or feeling the pull to our sort of industry because um, I think 
it, it is another sort of way of controlling. Um, mm. I think that it's like getting into nutrition is just like another way of knowing and understanding and controlling every element around food. Um, and I don't know, like I kind of, I feel like that's, it's probably something I haven't spoken a lot about because it's something that I see and it's something I worry about because I think that some people can go into um, the nutrition space maybe with an eating disorder and it can really help heal them moving through that type of degree and understanding their body more and growing their relationship in a more positive way. But it does make me fearful that a lot of um, particularly women at the moment I see moving into that space and whether sometimes it becomes maybe more of a trigger. Um, but yeah, I guess I'm curious for you, like where, when you started studying and, and going, right, this is, I want to be, I want to get into nutrition, naturopathy, like did, was that part of like a, that's sort of more positive self growth space and really understanding your relationship with yourself in a more yeah. positive light? Yeah, a hundred percent. And, um, I guess I was lucky in the sense, or well, I don't know if luck is the right word, but when I started studying, I was, um, and again, the word kind of recovered or healed is, is probably not the right word because I don't think, you know, as I said before, I think some little part of it kind of almost stays with you always, mm -hmm. but I was definitely in such a more positive headspace and, and mindset around food and, and things. You know, I'd had I'd had a couple of years off school and I'd done a few different things and I'd travelled and I'd, I'd almost kind of, you know, um, forgiven myself, I guess, and I'd found, I'd found that, you know, for want of a better word again, you know, self-love, I'd kind of learnt, learnt how to, you know, be more compassionate about my body and, and towards myself. So I was, I guess, yeah, um, lucky in a way to have gone into the degree having that, you know, health, more healthy relationship, I guess, mm. because once you start studying, you do definitely start to see, and obviously as well going through the experience that I did and the eating disorder, you you can definitely sort of see it in other people if that makes sense. Like yeah. you sort of think, oh, that's, you know, I used to do something like that or, yeah. or, you know, you kind of can, yeah, almost kind of pick it in some people. So I think, yeah, in that regard, like I, I went into it thinking, okay, I want to learn how best I can obviously nourish and support my body from a food point of view and, you know, knowing, like I said before, that being underweight is just as unhealthy as being overweight. So I, I knew that I kind of had had, had that shift in my mind. Um, and I just thought I want to learn this, all this information and this knowledge and these tools so I can support other people who possibly are going through the same sort of thing. Again, like I said, I'm not an expert. I'm not a psychologist. But from a food point of view and just – teaching people how to nourish their bodies with food and not to view food as something to be scared of or to be feared or be to be controlled because for me it was never about like I never had bulimia I never kind of binged or purged it was it was for me it was um about restricting the amount of food that I was eating and I was you know I was um as I said before like we we're always quite healthy so there's lots of fruits and vegetables and things like mm -hmm. that but I was just very restrictive in the amount that I would have. Like, yeah, I'm not going to go into details of what, 
what I used to do, but um, yeah, I was just very restrictive and very, um, yeah, I guess restrictive is probably the right word there. So, so yeah, that was my experience, and I think I just, I just thought, hey, like this is such a passion for me. How can I turn quite an, oh, I don't even want to say a ne- negative experience, mm. but I guess a learning experience or a kind of. Um, you know, that period of my life, how can I turn that into a positive so that I can actually hopefully um, impact other people positively and so that I can educate people about food so that they hopefully don't have to go through something that I did. I think that was really my main and I guess still is my main Mm. driving um, force for for what I do. For sure. And was understanding your own your own body and um, I guess looking at your own relationship to the eating in the way that works best for you and your own personal relationship with food um, and I guess any of the sort of health issues along the way that came up in that, was that an important factor? Because I do see that a lot too because we kind of have I think in the spaces that you're sort of mentioning about, or even just women as general, a really strong notion of how we think we should be and how we should eat and how our bodies should function. And we're all individuals at the end of the day. And and I know that through clinic, when people learn what works best for them, understand their own body, um, create their own relationships with food that work for them, that it's a very power like educational tool and therefore it becomes quite empowering so was that something that I don't want to put words in your mouth but was that so was that something that you found or something I see with what you were sort of saying but yeah absolutely it was it was definitely so empowering and I think for me like learning about how the human body works and how you know how it functions and things like that and how it's you know it's always trying to keep us alive and and just little things like that like made me so excited to be in the space that I was in um and you know obviously since you know it since I've studied and been out and and obviously more so you like things have changed so 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 much and I think Mm. we can never foresee what's coming but um I think yeah I was just really I was just really excited and, and like you said, I was really empowered to sort of know, you know, know how I could I could treat my body because I'd, I'd treated it so badly. I, mm. I had recognised how I had treated it so badly and how I, yeah, what I had done to myself and how unwell I had made myself essentially. So I just wanted to kind of really flip that on its head and say, right, how, how can I look after myself to the best of my ability and how can I you know, be, be as, be the, like the best version of myself kind of, um, yeah. which sounds, sounds a bit, you know, corny, but I guess <laughs> that was ultimately it. And how can I be, you know, really well. And I wanted to feel strong in my body and I never really had that before. Like mm. I, I think I'd always wanted to be thin. And then I got mm. to this where I was like, no, I want to feel strong and I want to, you know, I think once you learn about all the little intricacies and the processes that the body does just so mm. we can function and so we can move our bodies and so we can, um, you know, make hormones so then we can make babies and all these yeah. little things along the way, it just, it like kept blowing my mind and I was like, okay, 
I just I just wanted to keep getting better essentially and and, and um yeah continuing like my my the weight journey I guess I don't love that word journey either but my kind of journey into feeling mm. feeling better and and really nourishing that relationship with myself and and even now like I, I you know I talk a lot about how how we can do that with supporting ourselves and nourishing our, our our bodies through food and and that you know no one way of eating is is right for everyone and mm. and, and kind of how we how we navigate that relationship with our bodies and relationship with food ourselves so which is such a personal process and I think um I just wanted to kind of go on that journey I guess for myself so Mm -hmm. again a little bit selfish maybe but (laughs) the good selfish yeah I ultimately (laughs) wanted to be able to 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 learn the tools so I could help and empower other women yeah and you talk a lot these like I know when you put up your awesome social posts on Insta every time I see your posts I'm like oh my god they're always like they if I had a virtual stamp I would just stamp them 11 out of 10 (laughs) they're always so inspiring but you do talk a lot and you're very passionate about intuitive eating um so can you maybe just I guess first explain how like what intuitive eating is um or what it is to you and um how how you've sort of like used I guess intuitive eating for yourself um and maybe even like how you sort of look at encouraging your clients around intuitive eating yeah um and I think it's interesting you know obviously intuitive eating as a I guess as a kind of um like a framework has has probably become really popular maybe this year or the last, you know, last year and this year. And which is fine. Again, like there's always going to be trends and that's the kind of world we live in. But I think ultimately, you know, and I think for me the way I sort of found it or the way I sort of um, started practicing it was myself is because, you know, I'd had, since I'd graduated, I'd been through so many different, jobs and I'd worked in different clinics and I'd worked in, um, you know, different spaces and things like that. And there was, now that I look back on it, kind of underpinning all of those different jobs, there was always kind of a diet attached to what that role was or my mm. role was mm. or, or how I were to educate or support my clients through that. So, um, and this year was kind of, you know, my first year when I was probably out on my own, um, at the beginning of this year anyway and I really just started to kind of dive into a lot of research into a lot of reading into a lot of um I guess again kind of just self-reflection and, and and whatever you want to call it but you know whether or not you yeah you want to call it intuitive eating I guess that's the the label that gets put on it because mm. it, it it is it is what it is it is the label and it is kind of eating in a way that your body you feel like your body responds to and your body wants to eat and so yeah that's that's I guess kind of my personal experience with it and 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 again um when I was going through what I did like I was never really on a diet I just became very restricted around my food so I guess you know I've I've been lucky in the sense that I've never kind of been much into diets I've always you know, inherently being an intuitive eater, which we all are. We all are intuitive eaters inherently and I think innately we we just somehow along the way as adults we get 
um, brainwashed, I guess, in a way, into yeah. to diet culture. But I, I believe intuitive eating is is a practice that you it honors your body, it honors your hunger, and it honors your fullness, and it gives you as an individual the tools, you know, and to trust things like your instincts and your emotions and to trust those hunger and fullness cues. And it's about kind of tuning into your body and respecting and and really honouring your body's signals because mm-hmm. we all have them. I think we've just been taught to shut them down or to not listen to them or, you know. Um, and it's about – and I think it's funny because I have this debate with people all the time. Um, intuitive eating just says you can eat whatever you want mm-hmm. and it's like – well, no, it, it doesn't. It, it just, you know, of course you can go out and eat 10 Krispy Kreme, Kreme donuts every day if you want to. But after a while, you're not going to feel very good doing that. So mm-hmm. it's sort of like, sure, go out and eat whatever you want to if you want to eat, you know, and I, I, I never label food as good and bad. So you can eat whatever you want, but you start to realize what foods make you feel good and what foods make you maybe not feel so good, you know, Mm. and that's that's such an individual thing. So I think it's intuitive eating really is about, I guess, going on that kind of self-discovery with yourself and really, yeah, really just tuning in, like being intuitive about what Mm. foods feel good for you, what foods don't, what foods don't feel good for you, which what foods give you energy, what foods maybe make you sleepy. Um, mm. Yeah, and I guess just tuning into satisfaction, like feeling satisfied with the food that you eat because mm. I think we've we've somehow lost touch with that. So I don't know if that made any sense. I felt no, like I just threw a, I threw a lot of words at you then. <laughs> I think it does and I think, I think, again, it highlights how important our own mental space is when it comes to intuitive eating because it sounds when you describe it like I'm like yeah yeah I like I I I understand what you're saying but I can also see how for someone in the not in the right mental space um or also just very confused about all of the conflicting information out there because you're mentioning different diets and so forth um it can actually become a really muddy water because if you've got particularly if you've got your mind telling you one thing um about what you should and shouldn't be eating, it could be really hard to tap into that intuitive path, which is what you've really highlighted through your own personal story of how, yeah, how, how strong you were about being able to like listen to that voice in your head that was controlling everything to sort of now be in this space where you can really tap into it that intuitive part of you and 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 understand everything from hunger signals through to um yeah i i i feel like that for a meal um often sort of think about it as a difference between need and want as well like you know what our body essentially needs um to function and to feel well as opposed to what we want like when we're i don't know again emotionally often driven of just like oh i feel like shit today i'm gonna go and get a donut like yeah. that's okay, you know, to it's, it's that whole emotional response um, and it's not the end of the world, but that's a, it's often a, a kind of like, I, wa- I want the six donuts or I want, I want like half a bottle of vodka. <laughs> like it's, yeah. There's a difference yeah. between I want a half a bottle of vodka 
do I need half a bottle of vodka? Yeah, totally. Of vodka, yeah. did you like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, it can be a new trend. But I think, I, think, I think it's about as well, like, just becoming, becoming, well, I guess not becoming because we already are, but coming home to being the expert in your own body. Like, mm-hmm. we all we all are and we all can be. We just somewhere along the way it gets taken away from us or we kind of almost hand the permission over to whatever, to society, to diet culture, to Instagram, to social media. So it's almost like coming home to yourself and and just acknowledging that and, you know, knowing that you have this innate wisdom within yourself that you, you're allowed to trust it and you're allowed to listen to those cues and those voices. And, and like you said, with the emotional part of it, like, what I always try and talk to my clients about is, you know, well, firstly, why is that emotion coming up? Why are you feeling that way? And, you know, I know food will essentially probably help you in the short term, the very short term, but long term, you're sort of not really um, acknowledging that emotion or Mm. really kind of tuning into it, you're suppressing it with food. Mm. So I think we never really want to do that. And again, way easier said than done. And I'm, again, I'm not an expert in this, but I just, I love talking about it and I'm really passionate about it. And I think it's, it's, yeah, about, you know, tuning into our emotions and allowing us to really feel those emotions and not sort of suppress them and, and, squash them down with maybe food or whatever it is um and yeah I guess that's probably what I've learned through most mostly from my psychologist it's about you know sitting with those emotions and knowing that all emotions all spectrum of emotions are good Mm. again it's the same as food like there's not really good or bad emotions it's it's you know that once we start putting label on those emotions or those foods and that's when it kind of becomes emotive in a way Mm. um so yeah it's not an easy process that's for sure it's it's definitely very rewarding (laughs) and it's a way it's essentially it's a way of life and it's a lot more sustainable I can tell you than any diet that I've ever seen or you know being um you know sort of educated people on as I as I um I guess can say but and Mm. I think that's another reason why I I was like you know started researching it and started being really interested in it is because I was like well you know, the, these diets that I'm, you know, educating people about or talking to people about, I can see that they're not working for people and yeah. I can see the damage that they're doing to people. So why as professionals are we continuing to do that? Mm-hmm. There's got to be a better alternative. There's got to be an alternative that's sustainable for people, that's maintainable, that doesn't make people go insane because they're cutting out whole food groups. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yes. I think, yeah, again, yeah. it sounds simple, but I think that's just where my brain went with it and here I am. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think, yeah, if you mentioned again the social media side of things there too and I, I think it's, you know, we can all say that social media these days, like there's some wonderful things that it, it of course brings and allows us to connect and I know for us at JCN it's a really fantastic tool for us to connect with a wider community and, and share what we're passionate about. Um, but of course there's, there is some more 
you know, negative or, or I guess uh, darker <laughs> sides that can come with social media. Um, yeah. And I think for a lot of women when they're, and maybe and men too, like let's not discount, they're picking up their phones and scrolling consistently through things like Facebook and Instagram. There can be a lot of um, adverse effects there. So, and I don't know if that's something that's interesting, as you said earlier on, that it wasn't a major for you because it wasn't, social media wasn't as massive as it is now. Um, but I'm imagining like that's something that you're seeing yourself. It must be interesting in this, the, the headspace that you're in now and um, yeah, with what you do now and how you help other people in your job. But then you see something like social media and you see the, uh, the sort of effects that that can have. Like, is that, is it something that you're just like, when you sort of look and you're just like, oh my God, oh my God, this is just doing my head in. But yeah, totally. And I'm, I'm definitely not immune from it. Like I think it, it affects all of us to some degree. And I think I, yeah, I sort of just think, you know, people are entitled to their opinion and Mm. and not everyone's going to like what I have to say either. Like, and that's okay. Like I just think, you know, mm. you know, people who who want to gravitate towards you or kind of, you know, what you say resonates with them, then that's that's amazing. And but there's going to be probably the same amount of people who don't like what you have to say, and that's cool too. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. So, um, yeah, I kind of have a love hate relationship with yeah. social media. I guess like I sometimes will just go off it for days yeah. at a time because, um, not for any particular reason, but just because there is a lot of nonsense out there and that can be sometimes really loud compared to what we're mm. trying to say, you know, compared to what kind of we've just spoken on and, and how to really, you know, tune into your body. I think it's, I think it's kind of swinging back the other way, hopefully and getting a bit noisier on our end. Mm. Um, so yeah, sometimes that can be hard because you sometimes feel like you're not making any inroads or you're not making any, um, any progress, I guess, in, in what the message that you're trying to spread. But, you know, that's always – I just always kind of look at it as a learning and I think, you know, if I if I need to take a couple of days off it because for whatever reason I just – and I think it's always healthy to do that as well. Um, but, yeah, and, and I think I always try and just post when I have something to say that, you know, has either – you know, I, I've kind of – thought about it or it's or it's or it's come up with a client or it's come up in a conversation with someone and I think okay you know if I share this is it going to um maybe help someone else and Mm. even if it just helps one person and again that's you know my biggest reason for talking about this today and yeah so I think social media can be such an amazing tool Mm. and then on the other hand it can be it can be quite damaging as well so I sort of just don't really yeah I don't really get too attached to it to be honest um because I think you can it can kind of become all consuming and it can become a very negative negative way to view the world and I think as well like you know like I said with when you've been through something like an eating disorder there is a part of you that always always kind of yeah it stays with you I guess and 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 some days it's it is harder than others to to think you know even though my, my image of my body and my, my relationship with my body and my food is so solid right now and I, I know that and I'm so happy with where I'm at and so comfortable with where I'm at, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to still get, you know, 
for want of a better word, kind of triggered some yeah. days or think, yeah. you know, like, am I doing enough or, you know, you know, am I the healthiest looking nutritionist that there is? Like all this <laughs> other crazy stuff that we always just do as women, I think. But, mm. you know, I, I definitely feel like I'm a lot stronger now and, um, yeah, yeah, I don't really have that kind of need to compare or, yeah. yeah. but yeah, that's obviously, yeah, another, another topic in itself and, and how, how I've got to that point as well. But I think obviously, you know, Carissa has been really, um, instrumental in sort of supporting me with that as well. Just in the last, you know, I obviously started seeing her, um, again, I'm so murky with time, but maybe two years ago now, um, and she'll probably she'll probably laugh because it it'll either not be that long, or it'll be longer. Yeah, she's um, good with but, time. Yeah, yeah, I have just no concept of time. So, um, yeah, so obviously, sorry, I'm probably going off topic no, a little no, bit here, fine. but um, with with the you know eating disorder, all of that experience, I definitely messed up my gut I definitely messed up my hormones <laughs> and I think you know obviously through learning what I did through my um, studies you know I, I, I obviously learned that and thought okay I probably probably didn't do my body the best favor doing that but that's okay I've learned now so um, obviously started seeing Carissa for my very messed up gut issues which you know a little bit about as well Jess um, and yeah, she she really helped me with that, and I think I was very honest with her from the beginning. And I said, you know, you know, I have a history of an eating disorder, and I don't want to be put on any specific diet. And and at, at this time, I didn't really. I obviously knew about the clinic, and I, you know, probably followed you. <laughs> I'm going to sound like such a stalker now, but I'd followed you for a while, and you know, um, mm-hmm. always loved what you've done, and and that's one of the reasons I went to you to see you, Carissa. Um, but, yeah, I sort of was really, really very upfront with her in the beginning and said, you know, like I don't – I didn't really know in, in terms of, you know, diet and things like that, which I now know that we don't really – you don't really do. Like obviously there's therapeutic diets that sometimes we need to use for intervention, but that's, again, another topic. But I was just really open and, uh, you know, upfront with her from the beginning and, you know, just the support that she gave me and, you know, the gut work that I've had to do has probably taken me a lot longer for, for various reasons but um yeah and I think just just knowing that like knowing yourself and and you know I'm so aware of my myself now and and know that I you know I don't want to be restrictive about food and I don't want to be told that I can't have certain things because once you've been through something like that it just you don't ever really want to go back there because it brings up so many negative feelings and emotions toward it and yeah, I, I view food now as such, you know, food brings me so much pleasure and so much joy and I never really want to, I don't think I will ever lose that, but you, mm. yeah, once you get to a place where you're really happy and kind of proud of yourself that it's it's okay to, to be open and honest about that and say, you know, I'll, I'll do this and I'll do X, Y and Z, but I won't do this and, and that's where I found that, you know, Carissa and you guys at the JCM were so supportive of me. Um, as a client so yeah sorry everyone I'm saying this as a client now I'm obviously (laughs) a practitioner but um at JCN but yeah I think getting the right support as we spoke about before it can honestly yeah be be the biggest biggest help or sometimes the biggest um 
yeah, be the, be the biggest help and just be, mm. it, it's such a relief to find that person that kind of gets you and understands you and is, um, yeah, just doesn't ask you to do things that yeah. you aren't comfortable with. And I really found that with Carissa and I'm still, still kind of, you know, on my, um, gut health <laughs> journey and still kind of finding my way through, through different things. And, um, Definitely now I know that, you know, my, my history of sort of eating <laughs> probably is to blame for that, but that's okay. Like that's 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 how we learn and that's how we grow and that's how I can support other people through things like this. So Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, yeah, you kind of – it's interesting I sort of started that with we're talking about the social media side of things. Like it just – it really highlights that sort of – double-edged sword situation there like it it, it's such a it's so beautiful in that it allows us at JCN to connect with the outside world and it's allowed like because of that like you found us you found Carissa and everything that's followed from there um but then sort of yeah the sort of other flip flip side of that how as you said things can be triggers um I think I think one of the things that I've sort of tried to to sort of help clients within that space is just when you when you come across things that are from the outside um, that are triggers, if it's a social media thing or I guess things that are even not social media, it might be um, other other aspects, but what things that are within your sort of power to be able to just turn away from like you have the power to unfollow (laughs) accounts that are triggers for you like you don't have to be looking at them all the time and um you know or limiting limiting maybe the time that you spend looking on these sort of social media apps um and and maybe limiting if you are going to look at them maybe not looking at them before you sit down to eat a meal um but yeah it's 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 one of those things where I think social media brings us so many beautiful things, but at the same time, it is it is tied into a lot of this, and it's just that's sort of um, something that I, I definitely wanted to discuss with you. And yeah, yeah. So I guess to finish up, I could talk to you about this forever. That um, that <laughs> um, if we could sort of maybe, I mean, if there's anything else, of course, that we've missed, but um. I, I guess just how also this whole experience, which is still in transit, as you said, it's not like things are finished. We carry things with us, our experiences, and we grow as we move through our years. But even at this point, how you feel this experience has really created the joy and passion for um, for where your experiences, sorry, have created that ex- that sort of joy and passion in what you do now. Um, and really, as I see, flow through to how you love to utilize your practitioner hat to help others. Um, so yeah. a little bit about that. And then just anything else that might have come up that we've um, missed that you wanted to share. Yeah, I think I think for me now, um, like I said, like I've yeah, done a lot of work and I feel like my relationship with my body and my relationship with food and my relationship with my body image is so different now to what it was and I'm I'm yeah I'm a totally different person um but I think you know I don't ever want to you know 
I guess, deny that that happened to me. So it, it's still a part of who I was and, and, and growing up. But, yeah, now I think I'm, I'm just so passionate about educating and empowering women to, to feel confident in their bodies, no matter what shape or size they are, no matter what, you know, what, what curves they have and where they have them and, you know, if they've got boobs, if they don't have boobs, you know, if they're a size 8, if they're a size 16. Like I think for me the biggest thing was feeling like I – wasn't lovable and I think you can be lovable at any any size at Mm. any age at any you know we're all worthy of love and we all you know can can have that and I think that's something that I really yeah I'm really passionate about and and I think not not fearing food not having a, a kind of um destructive relationship with food as well like you know food is food brings us so much joy and so much pleasure and you know it's oh I just love food I'm such a foodie <laughs> and I could, you know we could help probably talk for another hour about food and how much we love food but you know food is there to bring us joy and pleasure it's not to be it's not there to be counted and to be you know Oh, measured or anything like that it's it's there to really you know provide our bodies with nourishment and I think as women we we hate on our bodies and ourselves so much and it, it just breaks my heart because I obviously have been there and and have kind of dealt with that firsthand and I just think you know we're we're meant to have you know bumps and lumps in certain places we you know our bodies yes we we may have things like cellulite and things that we don't necessarily love but they're there for a reason and I think ultimately and you know this is very simple but as women our bodies are designed to sort of create new life and when you boil it down to that it's like that's such a miracle like that's such an amazing thing and you know um yeah, my my going a bit off topic. My sister in law had a baby three months ago, and so now I have a nephew. And I just think things along the way definitely change your perception and change your appreciation, I guess, for your body. Because you're like, oh my gosh, how freaking amazing are we that we can, you know, carry a child for nine months and then give life to that? Like, I just think we, you know, we sometimes forget that, and mm. with the noise that social media and you know magazines and movies and celebrity and all that kind of mm. stuff that comes along with it, like we forget that simple fact that you know we're meant to carry more fat than you know in certain areas. And I think I've I've kind of learnt to to love that about myself, you know, mm. and um and oh, I guess I'm lucky in a way because I I still am in a smaller body, like I'm. I'm still quite a tiny person. I'm not just saying that because, you know, for whatever reason, it's just the reality of it. And that's, you know, my, that's my genetics. Like, unfortunately I'm tall and (laughs) don't, you know, Mm. um, but we can, you can love your body at any size and shape. And, you know, I, I often thought for a while, Oh, I wish I was more muscly. I wish I had bigger, bigger arms or my arms, I could have more muscle in this area. And I just thought, that, that's not helpful either, like, you know, either wanting to be thin or to be bigger, neither of those th- things are helpful and they don't sort of, they don't really get us anywhere. So I think if, and it sounds simple again to love your body how it is right now, but, oh, my gosh, it, it gives you back your life. It honestly, if you can, if you can learn to just embrace and 
be grateful for, for the body that you have and for what it does to you and to not be worried about every little inch of it and to be worried about everything that passes through your lips or every bit of food that you you make or every number that comes along with that. You you just you can get, gain back your life um, mm. and, you know, I can never get back those five years that I went through what I did, but that's okay. But I think the reason why I do what I do is because, yeah, I, I don't want anyone else to kind of have to give up that amount of time in their life to something that it's really not important. Um, where as women, our bodies are vessels that can do such amazing things. And I think we don't give ourselves enough credit for that. So mm-hmm. Um, I probably just gone on a massive tangent right then, but <laughs> um, yeah, I just I, I could talk about this all day, and I think you know, food food in our bodies are just they can be such messy, complex things, but if you kind of pull it right back and strip it all back, it doesn't really have to be that way. It can be really simple, and you can you can find peace with it. I guess. Mm-hmm. For sure, definitely. Yeah, you're so, so, so right in just that relationship as women that we have with our body and, yeah, how you sort of talk about the, the sort of foundations of as women and how biologically we're put together and, and, and what that means for us and for every different woman and how she's put together genetically and really accepting that, um, which is a journey in itself. I think it's something that, elderly women like particularly once you speak to women who maybe get sort of into their sort of I would even say into their 80s plus you'll you'll talk to women and they'll just they'll look at photos of themselves when they were younger and they're like look at me I was such a fox what was I worried about and (laughs) you know it's we spend all of these years like beating ourselves up and thinking just these these parts in our bodies aren't right like it's just yeah, I think you've really highlighted how, like, going down that pathway is is very self-destructive. And I even, I, I would hope people who have listened today, even um, if they, they haven't experienced an eating disorder or some form of disordered eating, I'm sure there's a lot of what you said that's resonated about just your or their relationship with themselves as a woman and hopefully sort of thinking about, lightening that pressure and load that they put onto themselves um but yeah I just I can't thank you enough Paige for sharing everything it takes a lot of courage to open up and tell everyone um your own really sort of close to heart personal experiences and as you said you're something that you haven't really done before so yeah I just want to thank you from myself and everyone else that's listened, like, cause it's just, I really, really appreciate you doing so. And I'm sure you've touched lots of hearts today. Yeah. Um, I hope so. And I hope that, you know, if anything, it's just given someone else, maybe the, I guess the courage to ask for help or to seek help. And like, you know, anyone's more than welcome to DM me on, on Instagram or whatever, or get in contact with me. Um, again, like I said, I, I'm not, I'm not an expert in this area, but if, if you feel like you can't talk to anyone else, then 
I'm, I'm more than happy to be that person and to kind of point you in the right direction for where you can get help because the thing is you don't have to suffer on your own. You don't. I isolated myself and it was probably the worst thing I ever did. But, yeah, you don't have to suffer on your own and you can, you know, I guess I'm kind of living proof, proof that you can have a healthy relationship with your body and with food and it's, you know, it's so freeing to find that and, um, yeah, I hope I've maybe – yeah, you know, something's resonated with you or, or, or kind of helped you to be able to speak up and ask for help. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. I just That's okay. Thank you, Jess. Thank you for making it such a safe and comfortable space for me to talk about it because, like I said, I really haven't haven't ever kind of spoken about it. So yeah. for me to be able to do that um, is, yeah, a huge credit to you for creating such a safe and comfortable space for me to do so so thank you <laughs> we have a lot of sharing happening at the moment don't we JCN M last week with with herself and this week you it's just yeah we're, yeah. we're pretty lucky we've got a pretty amazing team so I just want to say to finish thanks to everyone for listening again and if you would like to reach out to us at JCN, please do. And if you'd like to speak to Paige directly, as she mentioned, you can reach out to her through socials on Insta. You'll find her, which is at Paige, uh, is it Paige L. Redford? Yeah. Or one word? Yeah. We'll put all of the links in the show notes or I will. I will remember I say that and then I forget all the time. <laughs> People are like, there's nothing in the show notes. I'm like, whoopee. <laughs> but, yeah, if you'd like to connect with Paige, um, please do. She's um, a beautiful human. There's a, a huge reason why she's part of the JCN team. She's bloody awesome. And do follow her on Instagram because we're talking about social media feeds that um, encourage you and inspire you particularly in this space like she's she's someone you want to see pop up in your feed <laughs> um, yeah. and as always if you have questions about this or anything else you can con contact us at JCN um, we love it when you share these episodes and I think this is an, another one of those episodes that if you listen to and you're thinking of someone please share it um, send it to them share it on your socials subscribe to the podcast all of the love um, but other than that, I think that's it for today. Yeah. So thanks, guys, for listening. Thanks heaps. And we will chat to you next time. We will be dropping more over the Christmas break. So we won't be having um, as a break from the air as such as much. So you will hear from Carissa and I at a point. Um, not sure what about yet. We'll figure that out probably 10 hours, <laughs> 10 hours to say 10 minutes before we actually talk. <laughs> the nature of doing but yeah thanks again Paige and um goodbye everyone and we'll chat to you again soon bye